Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the weekend preview on the Athletic Football Podcast, sponsored by Bet365. I'm Dan Bardell and each and every Friday, myself and George Ellick will preview the best of the weekend's Premier League action alongside Bet365's Steve Freeth. Although we won't be doing that this week because if you're paying attention, there is no Premier League action this weekend. (laughs) So instead, we are going to talk about the Premier League and a bit of England as well. So luckily for me, we're going to talk about Steven Gerrard's appointment as the new Aston Villa boss. That's literally what I've been doing all week. We're also going to touch on Norwich's search for Daniel Farker's replacement. And then, as I say, we're going to cast our minds forward to around this time next year in Qatar and try and pick an England squad. But will Sancho, Smith Rowe, Curtis Jones, and even Deli Alley make the plan? So it's another international break with little riding on it. England are surely going to coast through. They only need four points from Albania and San Marino to qualify. But there is a little more interest surrounding the other home nations, Wales and Scotland, this week. George, how do you see those games going? It's, it's going to be interesting to watch you know with Wales it's properly um, going down to the wire you know they have a game in hand on Czech Republic they face Belgium um, in the final game if they do win that one then all they need is a point or or for the Czech Republic to slip up in the in the final game so um, it's going to be dramatic I'm sure Wales rarely make it easy for themselves in the away game at Belarus it took a Gareth Bale 93rd minute winner uh, in order to get them three points so it's by no means a shoe in uh, and for Scotland you know I, I watched Scotland's um, couple of qualifiers last month and whilst they got the job done pretty late they weren't particularly impressive in doing so um, they've got a similar scenario where they've got Moldova which is the big one if they beat Moldova then they finish second uh, and they will be getting a playoff berth but again it's a bit of a banana skin they're away at Moldova the, the performances haven't been great so far and if they don't get that result and if they need something on, on final game it's against Denmark, who've won all of their games and are yet to concede a goal. So, um, yeah, Scotland probably in a, in a more commanding position to get in that top two. But with Wales, um, it, it does feel like it's properly on, on the knife edge. And I think, Steve, the, the odds reflect that as well. Yeah, they're both extremely short. Uh, they're both actually one to five to win their game. So, while George has, has rightly pointed out, um, they could be potential banana skins, particularly if we've... Uh, if you backed Wales to beat Estonia three games ago when they finished nil-nil at one to four, then you probably don't trust Wales that much. Of course, the the Nations League will probably help Wales in a, in a qualification point of view. Should they fall mm. short um, to get for the first World Cup since 1958? Yes, Dan, when I was a lad, um, I'm sure that'll uh, that'll be great for the Wales public. And, and Gareth Bale, like George mentioned, scoring that all important goal. Of course, we're looking at his hundredth cap. The country got a hat trick against, um, against last time, so he's only eleven to one to repeat that, and thirteen to five to score first, and eight to eleven to score at any time. Hopefully, he's fit. Hopefully, he'll start. And Scotland, from a, a personal point of view, someone who watches quite a lot of Stoke, I'm absolutely delighted that uh, that Jacob Brown is in the squad. Um, Clark has been has been watching him quite a bit. Um, I've seen him at games, and for a lad 
who works his absolute socks off and now he's he's added goals to his game as well he's, a, he's an all right he's just he's just a great guy he's always wanting to learn which is great as well so i'm really pleased i'm hopeful that jacob will get some minutes um in this game but i'm just really hopeful that he does well and i'm sure he'll do himself justice i guess the good thing for both wales and scotland now is that when tournaments roll around they're in the conversation that hasn't always been the way in my lifetime you know at least now there's a tangible chance of them qualifying for, for tournaments, so both in a in a reasonably good place. We're going to talk Steve and Gerard in a moment, but first, remember you can sign up to the Athletic and save thirty three percent on access to the best newsroom in sports. I'm sure there'll be plenty of international coverage on the Athletic over the next week or so as well. So you can sign up for just three pound thirty three a month at the moment for an entire year. To take advantage of that offer, just go to theathletic.com/footballpod. Gerard wants it, he looks for that turn, oh what a way to get it, 100 not out, Steven Gerrard. Right then guys, big news this week, biggest news in the world of football, Steven Gerrard is now Aston Villa manager George. I'll come on to biggest news in the world, Yeah, yeah, I'll come on to my <laughs> thoughts shortly, but what was your reaction to it immediately? I mean, it's not a surprise, is it? I think the relationship between uh, Christian Perslow and, and Steven Gerrard is, is well-versed. Uh, I think he, he was always the likely candidate to come in um, as soon as Dean Smith was, um, you know, as soon as Dean Smith was losing his job. Um, I guess a fair few Rangers fans out there are pretty disappointed that they're, despite winning the Premiership last season, they're still in a position where Aston Villa can go and cherry-pick their manager. Do you think um, they're surprised? Do you think they are surprised? I think a few are surprised. I mean, there, there seems this relationship between Scottish football and English football seems to always go down this line where I think a lot of Scottish football fans are understandably quite frustrated. You know, you look at the manager of the uh, team who won the Premiership last season is now Aston Villa manager. You look at the top goal scorer from the Premiership last season. He's now playing at Crystal Palace. You know, I, I think in an ideal world, um, fans of Rangers and Celtic would like their clubs to probably be a little bit higher in, in the food chain. And especially when you know, Steven Gerrard is, on the face of it, swapping a club who plays European football for a, for a Premier League side who are currently 16th. That doesn't tell the full story. The fact is that Steven Gerrard is taking over a club where the quality of player at his disposal is far better than, than it ranges. Um, he's taking over a club where he's going to be able to test himself every week against some of the best players and best managers in world football. Uh, and it's an opportunity. You know, Steven Gerrard, it, it feels to me is going about his um, managerial apprenticeship, if you will, before taking the Liverpool job in a really smart way for his own personal development. You know, he took on the job uh, in the Liverpool Academy to start with, cutting his teeth and coaching for the first time at that level. He then took on a, a brilliant job at Rangers, you know, a, a massive club with a huge fan base. Where a hard job as well. A really tough job. And, uh, you know, he, and, he, and he did brilliantly with it, I think better than anybody expected. Now he's, before going to get that, holy grail I guess for him which is the Liverpool job he's going to, to further cut his teeth in the Premier League and get some managerial experience there the, the issue I would have as a Villa fan is you know that if he does a good job whenever it is that Jurgen Klopp leaves he's going to leave too I guess the flip side of that is that if Steven Gerrard ends up being Liverpool, Liverpool manager in two years time the chances are he's done enough good work at Aston Villa to make the, the trade-off worth it but I, I'm excited to see how he's going to get on I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've, I've watched loads of, of Rangers under Gerrard I, I know they're a team who like to press I know that his the 4-3-3 that he generally uses uses very high wing backs and, and, and tucks the wide players 
inside, inside the channels, which seems to suit the players that Villa have at their disposal absolutely down to the T. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens. I feel very sorry for Dean Smith. Uh, I'm sure he'll be welcome back at Villa Park much more than Stephen Gerrard will be welcome back at Ibrox. Um, but yeah, excited to see what the future holds for Villa now in the in the short term. I think you've watched the same Tifo football video that I've watched in the <laughs> ah, maybe. to the appointment as well, George. <laughs> but, but by the sounds of it, um, I don't mind that Liverpool thing, you know. Because like you say, if he's, it just means he's done very well because he won't get the Liverpool job by not doing well at Villa. No. Even, even of, obviously, the character he is at Liverpool and the stature he holds there. Unless he's done something really, really tangible at Villa, he isn't going to get that job. And I I'd, I'd quite like being a football club where... You remember when Southampton used to change their head coach and it didn't really used to matter? I'd quite like to, to get to that stage. I get that. And, and that is, I think, the dream. But it's easy to say this now. It's easy to say, oh, it'd be brilliant if Gerard leaves us in fifth place in the 24-25 season to go and take over Liverpool. I mean, when it comes to it, it's going to be a different story. You know, you look at the Grealish situation this summer where I think every Villa fan knew that eventually he was going to move on. And if he did go somewhere like City, it was going to be because of the things he did in the Villa shirt didn't really matter when it came to it though he still had the you know it's still very difficult to say goodbye to a high achiever moving on to bigger things so I think it's a little bit idealistic to, to, to sit here now and be like well you know if he gets a job it means he's done a great job here because you know the succession planning has to be right and it's still going to be a big wrench when you lose someone so central to to success. I also think you can't really complain you know but essentially if Liverpool did that to Villa we've just done the exact same thing to Rangers. So I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's a simplistic <laughs> point of view to have, but I feel like, you know... Way too sensible for football it's fans. A, it's a circle of life. Steve, where, where, do, you, where do you sit with it? I, I, get, I, I, think, I think you have quite a lot of respect for Dean Smith, even as a West Brom fan. I think you quite liked the, the job he'd done at Villa, respected what he'd done. It, it, was, a hard, it was a harsh sacking, and I, I'm, complete, I'm, I'm still very, very sad that Dean Smith has lost his job. But what, what do you make of the, of the Stephen Gerrard appointment? Yeah, well, I think Dean was born in West Brom, wasn't he? So I, I, a bit of sympathy for him. Just yeah, joking aside, um, I, I I do understand why why Villa have reacted, and they've clearly brought in a, a good name, which might put them in good stead as well for attracting um, decent players as well. Not that you're going to struggle with it, the amount of money that uh, that your owners have got. And if I was a Villa player in that dressing room, I'd be quite excited when Steven Gerrard coming in as well, because I think it's it's. Uh, you know, you've lost, what, five on the bounce. You've got a couple, I say, winnable games. A, a couple of nice games, I would say. Um, you know, Brighton at home. Steve, no, 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 been winnable no, no, no. Well, yeah, I know that. And I think I think it's a, it's a decent appointment. And I don't think Villa fans should be annoyed at the mere mention of it being a stepping stone towards Liverpool. It, you know, as we've already pointed out, if, if it is the case, then it certainly works at, at Villa Park. Again, joking aside, Aston Villa are a, a massive club and I can understand why the attraction for Steven Gerrard to come and ply his trade and you know bring his manager's coat down here. And it's a, it's a great chance for Villa, struggling just a little bit as well, to see them go up the table, Dan. I mean, we're only... We're five to one for Villa to be relegated and 100, 130 to, for them to finish in the top half. So even at this stage, after those runner defeats, we still think you know they, we, we don't see the Villa in relegation trouble come you know 38 games time i think there are a lot of teams down there who you know the likes of i suppose of course with the bottom three you know norwich newcastle and burnley you know watford brentford southampton etc um so from that point of view i think i think villa will will be okay and i'll be interested to see who they bring in in um, in the transfer window what did you say we were to finish top half 130 I thought you said 130 to 1. I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I'll definitely go on that. I wonder what your eyes lit up there. We do actually have a market um, on the how many points, because you, ha you haven't played Liverpool yet, have you? Um, it's coming so, up. December yeah. the 11th, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I've got a market on how many points Villa take off Liverpool, Dan. So I would 
Like your opinion on this, please, over the two games, naught to six points. How many will the mighty Lions take off Liverpool? One point. Yeah, well, that's that's five to two. Georgie, you got an opinion? Three points. Come on, don't be that silly. Nine yep. to two they are to there take three points. Perfect. Uh, Ten to eleven to lose both games and, and forty to one for Stevie G to do the double over Liverpool. That would be great for Villa fans and of course weren't that long ago, you were hammering Liverpool 7-2 down on your own pitch, yeah, eh? That, yeah, that does feel a very long time ago, ago now, <laughs> those days. Like light, light years ago, a lot's happened since then. Surely, you'd rather be able, you'd rather be able to go and, go and watch Villa lose at Villa Park rather than sit at home on the TV and watch you beat Liverpool 7-2, eh? Surely. Oh, that's, that's I love watching Villa. I, <laughs> I, I love watching Villa get beat at home. Don't worry, George, it's great. We'll move. Should we move? Should we move on from Villa? I've done enough Villa talk for for, for one way. Let's, You're telling let's me you have. You're absolutely yeah. everywhere. Definitely face for for audio only podcasts. I, I would say. Let's talk. Let's talk about Norwich a little bit before we move on to, to England. Then, what, what, do we know what the latest is with with their manager, Steve? What who, who's the favourite still, Lampard? Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a couple of favourites. Um, it look, it's looking a two horse race currently at the moment. Frank Lampard, of course, everyone's doing the Lampard Gerard gags as well. Um, and then, of course, there's the Norwegian manager of uh, uh, Glimt, uh, Knutsen. Are we pronouncing it? Jettel Knutsen. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the first K is silent and the second K is not. <laughs> okay. So Jettel. I mean, I might be completely wrong. We'll have some Norwegian people telling me that I'm butchering the language, but uh, that's what I've been. Well, I struggle. Believe. Yeah, I struggle with English, as you can hear. So, um, but he's been breaking records in in Norway. You know, they're been fantastic five points clear at the top of the division I think and, and smashing Jose as well would, would also a highlight mm. um, so I've seen that 6-1 victory as well you know people ask you losing the betting for the Norwich job and you've mentioned this fella's name and they were like I, I like him I've liked him you know he's he's, he's uh, clearly not going under the radar like he was previously and which Norwich have done in the past with Farka I didn't know a great deal about him before before he came here and it's been clearly a roller coaster there with, with Norwich but it's not all lost I've, I've, I've run the model again to see how many points we think Norwich will get this season and Peter previously people have been talking about breaking the derby record etc before that uh, that victory at Brentford but we've got Norwich to be to have 26 and a half points so they're still only one to six to be relegated and four to one to survive so whoever takes over they could still possibly get out of this as well so let's see what happens. Dean Smith wouldn't be a bad appointment, George, for Norwich. Well, I don't think it's. It sounds like there was a conversation there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess after it's been a, a pretty emotional few years for Dean Smith taking over his childhood club, getting them promoted. Uh, obviously, his father passing away. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dean wants a, a bit of time out of the spotlight, especially because I think he feels quite aggrieved at having lost the job. Uh, I, I find the the Norwich manager story fascinating because. I mean, there aren't many people whose opinion in football are just happily um, follow blindly. Obviously, your two, uh, your two selves included in that. But, uh, but Stuart Webber, George, sport- usual fee. The, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Stuart Webber, the sporting director at Norwich, is, is definitely one of those. You know, he's somebody who, you know, for all of the um, the ridicule that maybe Norwich attract from Premier League fans. Um, They've got one of the sharpest cookies around making these decisions. He's somebody who's very, very shrewd. His recruitment in terms of, of managers uh, with David Wagner at, at Huddersfield and then Daniel Farker at Dortmund, he's somebody who's who's one step ahead, really. And I was amazed when Lampard w- was initially the, installed as the favourite. It just didn't seem to me in any way like a Weber-type appointment because Lampard is somebody who's been 
basically found out, in my opinion, a Derby. Uh, I think he was fairly fortunate to get Derby to the position they were in. The, the data didn't support them being one of the best sides in the league. Um, and it was a, a crazy two-legged playoff game against uh, against Leeds that got them into the final where they were well beaten by Villa. And then he went to Chelsea. And what we've learned from Frank Lampard is he's very, very good at getting teams to press, ironically. It's probably the one criticism about him as a player. Um, but he, he's, he manages to get these teams incredibly fit. They are so active off the ball but there isn't really any strategy or style on the ball to make them defensively solid or a good attacking side so it's kind of pressing for pressing sake and eventually by the end of, of the Chelsea reign teams were just were able to bypass the press so easily and slice them open at, at will so I haven't seen a great deal yet to suggest to me that Frank Lampard is is the right kind of manager for Norwich to hire then the the, the, the Bodo Glimt um, Knutsen Link came about, and that just seemed right up um, Weber Street. Somebody with a track record of playing attacking football, you know, upgrading uh, a league in the Norwegian league, which probably many other uh, chairmen or owners or sporting directors wouldn't look at. Um, somebody who's overseeing six-one wins against Roma um, in the Conference League. You know, this is a guy who's who's got a serious track record on an upward trajectory. So I assumed that this was going to be the man, but in the last six or so hours, it, it basically seems like Lampard is set to get the job. Um, which I'm just really surprised by. You know, I think Weber clearly knows his stuff. I'm happy to to um, bow to him in terms of, of what he's seen here. Uh, but it, it looks to me from, you know, if, if, if taking everything that I've seen from Frank Lampard's sides, he does not look like a manager to me who's going to come in and shore things up immediately. And, and I don't know if Jody Morris is going to join him, but Morris is, is probably of, of the two, the one who's got a better coaching reputation anyway. So if I was a Norwich fan, I'd be... I'd be pretty concerned at the moment um it doesn't strike me as a as an appointment that would um improve them I, I don't think Frank Lampard is an upgrade on Daniel Farker frankly good news with Billy Gilmore though he might get a game under Frank Lampard so, <laughs> yeah so, so that's it's a strange that's one yeah can you imagine yeah, yeah. I was reading about his parents just to, you know keep traveling down to watch the games and it's a, I'd imagine it's a a long old way and then they're kind of disappearing. I think I read it in The Athletic earlier today, they're, you know, disappearing after like 70 minutes or something with no sign of, you know, their son coming on, etc. So a frustrating time and you'd imagine he'd he'd feature, um, you know, under Lampard. It, it, and it seems just a strange old move, you know, all the way around for a player who, when we saw that move happening originally, thinking, wow, I'm really looking forward to see how this, this Billy Gilmore does, you know, us non-Chelsea fans. And um, it just hasn't happened for him, and, and maybe that works. But I'm with George. I wouldn't be rushing to back Norwich to stay in this division at four to one if Lampard um, did take over. However, the other candidate, I'd be certainly having a good scrutiny of it. Brave man, actually, Lampard. I think if he takes that job, putting his his head on the chopping board a little bit there, putting his neck on the line. So we'll see what happens. It's, it, I think I think it's a, it's also a good job. I mean, it's, for Lampard, it's a yeah. great job to take because there's no pressure on him to keep them up this season. Uh, he's managed in the championship before. I, I don't think he's too proud to do that. In the same way as, as Dean Smith at Brentford, he'll learn a lot. You know, he will learn a lot there. He'll learn a lot from Weber. He'll learn a lot about recruitment. He'll learn a lot about um, the way that a club should really be run behind the scenes. You know, if he gets the job, I'm sure he'll still be there in 18 months, um, which is in the position Lampard is in, uh, if he still has aspirations to be a top-level manager, uh, I think it's a, a good job for him to take. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's move on now and in around 12 months time we'll all be tucking into our mince pies. Steve will have his Christmas pyjamas on opening his Aston Villa advent calendar and we'll also be gearing up for the, we'll be gearing up for the World Cup. As well, lads, which is an unusual thing to be saying, George. I know. I can't really believe it. I'm still trying to work out um, if I am going to go or not, um, given, you know, I haven't missed missed a World Cup for a while. But there are quite obvious um, questions you have to ask yourself before booking a holiday to to Qatar. So I'm trying to work it out uh, in my head at the moment. Um, But, I mean, from a footballing point of view, I'm looking forward to it. I hope if everything is, is right with the world, the idea of wrapping up warm, heading to your local and uh, watching England in, in a World Cup. It's just not going um, right. I think it sounds quite fun. <laughs> you no, know, it'll it's, not, be, it's not right. It'll be, it'll be Guinness uh, on the ceiling rather than lager. Um, but it'll be, yeah, I mean, it's. I'm sure when we get there, as is always the case, uh, if England are poor, then interest will wane very quickly. If England are half decent, there'll be 2,000 England fans in Qatar to start the, the month and there'll be 20,000 there by the end. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Eggnog on the ceiling, I don't know. It's going to be a really, really, really weird. So, so Southgate will probably be close or will have already named his squad by this time next year. So we're going to have a little look and get our crystal balls out and try and predict what we think might happen with the squad. First off, is it 23 or is it 23, man? Or could, could it still end up being 26 or don't we know yet? I'd say 23 personally, but again, depending on could what could 26. happen. Yeah, it could yeah. be. It could be 33, you know, who yeah. knows? But, uh, you know, these these markets that we're going to look at is the actual final, you know, squad. Um, so just to, just letting you know that this will be the final, you know, on the plane, so to speak, to, uh, to Qatar. I mean, a lot can change in 12 months. As someone who we're not even considering at the moment could probably come up and, and nick a spot by that point. But if the squad was to be picked now, then let, let's talk about who who the runners and riders might be in a year's time. So goalkeeper to start with, Steve. Aaron Ramsdale is hot on Pickford's heels. Massively he? so. He's putting yeah. him under pressure. Yeah, we've got a market actually, Dan, on, on which goalkeeper will start the first group game at, you know, at the World Cup, which I thought would be quite interesting, particularly on the... The current form of, of Aaron Ramsdale, and but it is we have stuck with uh, with Jordan Pickford, who's clearly first choice for Southgate at, at this moment. And he's actually four to nine with Aaron Ramsdale at nine to four. We think it's a, a two horse race, so to speak, in that we've, we've, we've Dean Henderson at eight, which looks a little bit short to me. Um, Nick Pope at 33 to one, and our very own Sam Johnson at 40, which I'm surprised. Um, I mean, that to me seems a a fairly big price. I know we'll come to the squad later. I think I think Sam Johnson is definitely third choice for for England, England currently. I think is clearly. I think he's going to be in front of Pope and, and Henderson. Um, but we're going with Jordan Pickford, guys, to um, to be donning the gloves in that uh, in that opening game. Yeah, I mean it's worth saying Sam Johnston and Dan Henderson could probably both be at different clubs this time next year. But well, I Sam Johnston's yeah. out of contract, isn't he? And Dan he Henderson, is, yeah. if he deserves, he'll be gone. He'll, he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll be, gone, be gone probably. Yeah, and I, and, and I don't blame Sam, but he's, um, he had a lot of critics at the Albion to start with. Um, 
and I think he's done overall. I think he can be very proud of of, of of what he's done at the Albion. I know he's conceded a lot of goals, but we, we also could have see, conceded a hell of a lot more as well. And um, he's playing a bit of a bit of a sweeper keeper this season as well. And uh, yeah, he's had uh, he's had a good spell at the Albion. And whether he goes in January or whether or whether he goes in the summer, he'll certainly go with uh, the majority of Albion's fans' best wishes. Yeah, I really really like Sam Johnson. Spent some time at Villa Park as well. George, he doesn't feel very Southgatey. That he, I don't think in general he'll make too many changes away from what he did in the Euros with the, sh- the short time frame. It does feel like you know he'll stay loyal to a lot of those players, and Jordan Pickford will be one of them, even if Aaron Ramsdale is pulling up loads of trees like he is at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'm not one to tip up four to nine shots, but if you if you want to have a, a long term acker somewhere, maybe for the World Cup, I think um, sticking that that one in there should be pretty safe. You know, you're, I think you're betting on. Jordan Pickford not having one, not having two, but probably having three high-profile errors by the time we get there. Um, Southgate is incredibly loyal. And crucially, Jordan Pickford for England has been sensational for, for the best part of half a decade. You know, he, he's barely done anything wrong. He was one of England's best players, uh, again, in the in the, in the the Euros. Um, he was one of England's best players in, in Russia. Uh, it would be incredibly harsh on him to, to lose that spot, as well as Aaron, Aaron Ramsdale is doing. So... Um, yeah, I'm I'm not one to bat four to nine shots, but I think um, if I was if I was uh, one of the traders at three six five, I'd, I'd chalk that up a little bit shorter. Let's move on to defence now, George. And it's, I kind of feel like you could name the defenders that are going to be in the squad now. I don't I don't think there's anyone emerging. I does say here that Jaden Sancho is now training as a right wing back <laughs> at Manchester. You know, I mean, we haven't got enough right backs, but you do know that if you if you can play right back, you've got a chance under Southgate. Yeah, I mean, I think the key thing here is it's so easy to get caught up in in recency bias basically it's so easy to think that what we think about players now is how we're going to consider them um when it comes to um you know to the actual event itself and that isn't the case so often you know it's a year is, is a long time in the career of a footballer um so when you're looking at who's going to be in the squads there are a fair few who i think are, are basically short enough as it is at the moment um looking at you know ben chilwell at five on and luke shaw at five on You've got two left-backs there who, I mean, Chilwell spent the, the first part of the season out of favour Thomas Tuchel. Luke Shaw is, is woefully out of form right now. Uh, but both of them are being priced up as if they're, they're absolute shoo-ins. You know, a year is a long time. Um, I've spoken on here before about Rico Henry. He is someone who I imagine will be on a lot of shortlists uh, in, in in the summer for teams who want to have a, an attacking left-back who can basically do what, what all these guys can do. And he's chalked up at 20 to 1. You know, if he gets that move, um, then he's quite clearly in my mind going to be third choice all it takes is maybe an injury or or just a change in fortune for him to get in so it there are plenty of players like that I know we're going through this chronologically um you know James Justin's in there at five to one I think he probably would have gone to the Euros had he not sustained that injury helpful for him that he can play left and right back so again if he is the same player when he comes back from a serious injury that five to one is massive because Southgate is going to love to have a player who can basically chalk down as being his third choice left back and right right back in the same squads um so it's kind of getting out of the mindset, I guess, of being too reactive to what's going on now. And maybe I've got a few a few midfielders and a striker or two who, you know, quite clearly have the quality and the technical ability to be, if they go through a, a, a strong period of form, to be um, selected in the squad, who just because they're not necessarily in one of those periods right now are, are being written off as, as also runs. I've just had a left-back pop into my head. Who I don't know how I don't think he, he started many games for Bayern, if any yet. But Omar Richards at Bayern Munich, you know, if he starts getting games for Bayern Munich, you would suddenly then be in the conversation. I would imagine for England. 
have to get that added then, Dan, I suppose, on the... Uh, yeah, yeah. long shot, I'll fancy Flutter on that. Uh, on the back yeah, of yeah. that, yeah. Now, now we'll, uh, we'll have a look at that. And also from a left-back point of view, I know we got, uh, we're, uh, we're over around with right-backs at the moment. Yeah, Trippier can also play that way, uh, that side as well. I know, I just think the right side is, is fascinating. Obviously, you know, the Trent, uh, Rhys James, Carl Walker... You know, those are the three that you would expect to to certainly go. Uh, Lamptey at a, at a decent price. He's a good player. You know, he's some way mentioned, and, and and another guy that's that's that, that's come from Chelsea, uh, Livramento as well, who's having a having a having a brilliant career at yeah, he's uh, very good at, as well. at, at Southampton as well so far. So I think didn't they both come from Chelsea originally? Well, yes. Yeah, and and isn't that interesting that they didn't have that with Lamptey? Do you think that means that they rated uh, Livramento just a, a little bit just more maybe? Maybe <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm just, so um, I, I think I think the defence as a whole, and, and as we picked up, you know, Maguire and Shaw's form at the moment. However, with so few get-togethers left between now and next November for the World Cup, surely Gareth Southgate is just prepping his side now. He knows what squad, barring barring any injuries. I, I personally don't see too many changes from from the squads now barring a couple of you know injuries that we you know going to be missing the likes of of a few players in you know in the in this double header I, I agree with you but things i mean especially when you consider how many um players now seem to pull out of every single international squad because they they want to preserve themselves for their club games which is fair enough i, I think players are going to get a chance you know if we had had this conversation and you guys had priced up the market a month ago emil smith rowe would have been what a eight ton one shot he's now 13 to eight because he has he scored two goals in in two weeks just before the squad was announced, and he's got his call up through injury. So there are a few players, you know, not to, to skip ahead, but in terms of midfielders, um, three players. We, you know, we've spoken about all of them in the past on this show. Curtis Jones is one at six to one. You know, if he plays more than 20, 25 odd starts between now and and this time next year, which he looks set to do, given how much he's playing at the moment, anyway. Um, he will probably get a chance or a chance to to impress. James James Madison is someone who's been shorter form for a long time but again you know a year ago him and Jack Grealish were being mentioned in the same breath in terms of who is better it won't take much from him to turn his form around and get himself back in although obviously there are the off the off field issues where I'm not sure if Gareth Southgate necessarily trusts him after um, he was snapped out and about after pulling out with injury uh, a few months back and then the other one is is Ruben Loftus-Cheek who you know we spoke on here about Thomas Tuchel being pretty amazed and surprised by um, Loftus-Cheek's quality, you know, going over to him after the game and saying, why haven't you played more? Um, he's getting a lot of game time for Chelsea. There is absolutely no doubting his technical ability and his talent is clearly good enough to be playing regular international football and regular football for Chelsea. Chelsea have got midfield options, obviously, in Kovacic, Kante and Jorginho, and it's going to be difficult for him to displace them, but he does offer something totally different to them. And if I was uh, an international manager, I'd look at someone like Loftus-Cheek and, and his range of abilities and his form and think, yeah, he's the kind of person you want in tournament football who you can bring on to be a proper ball carrier through the middle of the park. So if I was to have one bet um, on this market, I think Loftus-Cheek at 10 to 1. And, you know, the worst case scenario probably is that if he's, if he's not getting game time, he leaves in the summer and then there's another opportunity for him to impress wherever he goes as well. And there's, a, there's another Chelsea midfielder, of course, who's not... At Chelsea, we're at Crystal Palace at the moment. That's particularly short in this market. It's Conor Gallagher, who's only a only a two to one chance currently, and I think it is a little bit too early for him. We're only just really seeing him come to the fore again. The old recency bias here with him, he, someone who hasn't played in Europe, hasn't played in these big games yet, whether it be Champions League or, 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 of course, to a lesser extent, Europa League as well, which I think will clearly be against him as we head up to it. But if he continues on in this type of form, who knows? But I still. 
I just can't get it out of the back of my mind that Gareth has known this for a long time and it would take, you know, quite a shock for somebody like this. I'd love to see Harvey Elliott. We're only to two Harvey Elliott, which I think is a little bit on the short side, clearly with the injury he has. Yeah. And he was fantastic before he went out. It might be a little bit too soon. Jesse Lingard at nine to two would probably need a move. I know he's been in England squads, but we'll probably need a move for him to play regular football as well. Harvey Barnes has just come back just into a, into a little bit of form as well. Um, so the, the Gallagher one is is a good comparison because in, in my head, I mean, I, I I love Conor Gallagher. He's doing great things. In my mind, he's behind Loftus Cheek in terms of his um, career arc, and in my mind, he's not as good as Loftus Cheek. And Loftus Cheek is, is going to be playing regular football for well, regular-ish football for Chelsea, Gallagher for Palace. So for for Gallagher to be two to one is, is that is a perfect example of of why you've got to kind of get out of the the recency bias frame of mind because he is the flavour of the month right now. Is Gallagher going to score 12 goals from midfield this season for Palace? Probably not. Is Loftus-Cheek going to be playing 20 games for Chelsea in the next eight months? Probably yes. So that, I think the disparity between those two price-wise is, is in my mind, uh, yeah, just, uh, I'd be, yeah, chancing the, the 10 to 1 Loftus-Cheek. Not, not massive, but just, I think it's the value in the, in the market. You did want to talk about Deli Alley as well, didn't you, George? In the midfield. Well, section. he's just, he's another one. I mean, I, after you just laughed at me off uh, before the show, I thought I'd, I'd leave him off. But he, he's just another one where he's now got a manager um, who has a, a reputation for uh, resurrecting careers of, of players who maybe have gone off the boil. Um, he uh, it'll probably go two ways with, with Deli Alley and, and Antonio Conte. Either he will. Um, have something of a renaissance or we, we won't see him playing for Spurs very much. Um, but he's become something of a laughing stock, and, and it, it makes me sad because he's one of my favourite players to watch when he was good. Um, you know, those first couple of years at Spurs, he was an absolute joy to watch, always playing with a smile on his face, a scorer of goals and a scorer of good goals, um, a, a very good passer as well, an athlete. Uh, it's it's sad to me that a guy who, you know, if you'd, if you'd said three or four years ago that Deli Ali would be, um, written off as a as a future England international, uh, I I don't think many people would have believed you. So, I mean, it's unlikely, but he's another one where it won't take much. It won't take much for him to come back into the conversation. It won't take much for him to be um, brought back into Southgate's mind, especially because they have that that relationship previously as well. So, um, and I, I'd love to see it, <laughs> uh, but we'll see. I've said to you, I hate heights and things like that. If Deli Ali gets in the England squad, I'll do some sort of skydive or something. I'm that confident <laughs> that, that he won't make it into the squad. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's look at look at forwards then. And this is where I actually think there might be some space. I think Definitely. everything else is pretty congested, but Harry Kane's obviously woefully off form at the moment, but he's a cert. But then as backup, you know, Calvert-Lewin's injured at the moment. But I don't, I'm don't. i not 100% convinced Southgate fully fancies him. Yeah, this feels like, Steve, where there might be a room for someone to, to get in. Yeah, possibly. Uh, not Danny Ings, though, unfortunately. Um, you, yeah, you wouldn't have thought that would probably t- have to take a, a few injuries for no, him to no, get in. That savage nah, attack there, Steve. Nah, well, no, I was going to say Ollie Watkins, <laughs> uh, a small possible. The thing that concerns me, I was expecting Dominic uh, Calvert-Lewin to be back by now. I know we've still got another year to go, but this injury seems to be going on for quite a while. Um, I, I, Top I pundit think... now, Dan, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Is he? Top pundit. Did Monday Night Football was very, very good. Yeah. He's taken your mantle, mm. has he? Um, so I listen, I mean, there <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Give it a year. It'll, I think if he's, I think, I think if Calvert Lewin's fit, and he and he's been in an Everton side or whatever, and he's and he's been scoring goals, then it, then I think he goes, and I'll be, I'll be back in the ten to eleven that um, that it currently is. I think an alternative to him should he not be firing, of course, he, he, he's Tammy Abraham, um, who, who's done I think okay. Um, and I think um, I think Southgate's fully aware that you know what he can do. So I think of a maybe of an outsider, Tammy Habram at, at nine to four could be the one. But but barring that, we got we got people like Callum Wilson at seven to one who probably need need to hit it off straight underway, um, straight straight away under Eddie. There's another at seven to one, Ivan Tony. Well, yeah, I mean his his goals. I think he scored two goals this season. He hasn't scored for a, a couple of months, maybe. I think his link up play has been very good. He's been dropping deep. He's been playing well, very well for the team. Um, but I suppose if if you're if you're assessed on how many goals you score at the moment, I think he's been a, a, a fair start to his Premier League career with Brentford. But that's as, uh, again, as far I think, as I would go. I, I think that's the the reason why I would back him now is because there's been you know his profile is high enough now. For, I think for, for there to be something of a of a clamour as soon as he he goes through a good run of form, you know he hasn't been in, in great goal scoring form so far. That's going to cost him. If the next time the squad is announced, you know he is going to score goals at Premier League level. I, I have absolutely no doubt about that. And we are short in that area. And he is a player who I think fits uh, pretty nicely into the kind of Harry Kane role because they are, I mean, they are very, very different players, but they possess a somewhat similar skill set where they're both deadly in the area. They both link up very well. They're both happy to drop deep. They're both strong. Um, so I would be happy again to to chance the seven to one, knowing that. Yes, he's played poorly recently, but I have enough confidence in him as a footballer. And he hasn't played poorly, that's wrong. He has been in poor goal-scoring form recently, uh, but I've got enough faith in him to know that he will come good. And when he does come good, there, there isn't a queue of players uh, much better than him behind Harry Kane waiting for that spot. Greenwood seems the obvious one to me, to yeah. make it as, a, as kind of the backup striker. If Manchester United might have a different manager, by then, you know, he might be firing in the goals. I don't mm. think he'll be playing up front for Manchester United, but, you know, as a backup striker for England and the fact he can play wide... He's a lay for me, guys, just at the moment. Four to five, I think he is. And you might think that's a fair price, but I wouldn't be backing Greenwood at the moment. Clearly, And again, you've got the issue with, with you don't know how much Southgate and him after the um, the faux pas. They haven't seemed to uh, patch things up, have they? Yeah, and Sterling, of course, who we have, who hasn't been fantastic, of course, for his club level, I think has got plenty of credit in the bank. Yeah, and, rightly, and rightly so. And you know, that's why he's one to ten to be, uh, to be on the plane to Qatar uh, in a year's time. 
I think the only thing to maybe to maybe point out is that we haven't qualified yet. <laughs> yeah, that's probably don't, a... don't give me you like Gallup Southgate. <laughs> what a seven hundred and fifty to one on to win the group. Stop I know, giving I know. me that rubbish, please. No, no, no. I just think you know. I, I felt bad after coming on the podcast last week um, and and moaning about the team selection. I logged off, and the first thing I saw was Grace Robertson very wisely tweeting, being like, mm, "You've got to win these games." And, and even though I do think that you know that we probably could have selected a fourth squad and had the quality to do so. Um, Let's just make sure we, we get through. I mean, I was there Don't. at Wembley. You got the Southgate brief as well, did you? Like the rest of the journalists say. I've got so many issues with, with, with Gareth, but it's been one of the most frustrating things is watching how often him and him and Ollie get lumped in together for their being two managers short of tactical nows. You know, Gareth had Maguire and Shaw playing playing top of their games. You know, these are two players who are playing so poorly at the moment. So, you know, respect for Gareth, respect for Albania, respect for San Marino. Let's qualify and then we can have this conversation. Yeah, San Marino to come alive next week now, without a doubt. (laughs) That just about does us for this week's show. So just enough time for me to remind you one final time that you can sign up to The Athletic and benefit from the insights from the best sports riders in the business for just £3.33 a month by heading to theathletic.com slash footballpod. My thanks to Steve, my thanks to George, and of course, thanks to all you guys for listening as well. Remember to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss a show. Mark Chapman, David Ornstein and company are back on this feed on Monday. You've been listening to the Athletic Football Podcast. Enjoy the international break and have a great weekend. The Athletic.